Like it or not, some changes are afoot when it comes to Social Security, partly in an effort to ease the strain on the program just a bit. Now, while some people won't be happy, it's clearly better than the alternative. If you took away Social Security, there would be quite a bit of poverty in the United States. I mean, people are not prepared sufficiently with personal savings to support their retirement lifestyle. Hi everyone, I'm Tim Muma. Glad to have you with us on this installment of Management Decisions. Today's topic zeroes in on Social Security and a look at those changes and exactly how they may affect you. To give us the lowdown, we have Rick Martin, a senior financial planner for Zarka Financial over in Ohio, joining us on the phone. Thanks for coming on with us again, Rick. I appreciate it, Tim. It's good to be here. We're here to talk about Social Security in the broader context, also in discussing some changes that are coming up that people are definitely going to want to be aware of. I want to start off, though, by asking, just in general, it seems like people often get a little confused about maybe when's the best time to start taking Social Security. What are some of the conversations you have with them, and and why can it be a bit confusing for those individuals? You're absolutely right, Tim. It can be. It can be and is confusing for folks, and and it's uh, certainly a lot more confusing for couples than it is with those that are single in retirement, per se, because there's a lot more options when you're a couple, and that does play into, you know, we'll talk about some of the changes that are occurring uh, in the Social Security system coming up uh, here shortly. But, you know, it really comes down to when you look in your retirement income, sources, you've really got three choices. You've got the government plan, which is typically Social Security, although mm-hmm. you're a teacher or a public employee, you have a you know a public employee uh, plan or you have a, a state teacher's plan. And a lot of folks had pensions in the past, although most of those have gone away. Right. Uh, if you have one, a lot, of, a lot of folks are receiving lump sum buyout offers from the pension administrators. Uh, annuities are doing the same thing. Letters are coming out from insurance companies saying, you know, would you like, would you accept this lump sum? And they're pretty, they're pretty enticing because you're getting a, <laughs> a large, you know, many times six-figure number to give up the lifetime pension or lifetime annuity. And then a lot of the weight, Tim, is coming back onto all of us in our personal savings, be it straight-up savings, CDs, 401ks, IRAs, whatever you've earmarked for retirement. That's the money that you're going to depend on to support you other than Social Security for most of us. Right. So it's a lot of pressure on folks. And, and so when you say, why, you know, what are the different factors and so forth, well, depending on if the husband was the breadwinner and he, had, and he had a fairly significant job, so he may have a very large Social Security payment, and maybe the wife took some time off while they raised their kids or whatever, and she, or she worked part-time and she doesn't have as large a one, there's all sorts of strategies in terms of starting a spousal income from her and letting hers grow or waiting until she gets uh, – every year you wait, uh, Social Security payment goes up 8%. Okay. So you get an increase by waiting, but if you're in a position where you need to take either start Social Security or start taking money out of your personal savings, it gets really confusing – to the folks that are taking a look at it, trying to analyze uh, which is better, should I take that government money? Which, otherwise, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, it's not there. It's not my personal savings, and instead, I have to take money out of my own savings account. But the part that's interesting, Tim, is that by by Social Security going up eight percent per year, a lot of folks, I sit down and say, well, you have to realize if you're going to start pulling your money out of savings, 
or a 401k plan, first of all, 401k or IRA, any money you pull out of there is going to be taxable on top of it. Sure. Security may be partially taxable or fully, depending on your income. But if you're going to take money out of savings, out of a savings account, are you making 8%? <laughs> Not too many people are making 8% right now, right? Right. So yeah. if you just wait on Social Security, you get an 8% increase. But if you take money out of savings, you don't have as much security blanket. So it, it's, and, and this is just, you know, sort of the tip of the iceberg. It, can, it gets pretty complex uh, when you start getting everybody's individual situations. And yeah, of course, that's the challenge here is uh, you can always offer some general thoughts on it and, and give them a different perspective. But as you said, it's going to matter, of course, for each individual or the couples that are trying to figure this stuff out. And we hope we can help a little bit by breaking down the details. Uh, and you mentioned uh, as I did off the top, that there are going to be some changes going into effect that can and will impact people in a number of uh, ways. I guess, first of all, if you could give the listeners a quick idea of what the rule changes are that will be going into effect in April that they should be aware of. Right. Well, if you're 66 or older and you have not started collecting Social Security benefits, you have the opportunity to still do a file and suspend up until April 29th of this year. What I mean by that is a file and suspend is that if you're, now this, this affects only couples, so if you're, Tim, it's you and your wife and you're 66 years old, and she doesn't have to be 66 years old because it, it gets discounted if she starts earlier than that, but if you're 66, um, let's say today's your birthday, you just turned 66, you could file for benefits and then suspend it. So filing and suspending means filing opens the door. You go on record to Social Security and say, I want to start collecting my benefits, but then you turn right around and suspend them saying, but I don't want to start my payments yet. So you kind of open the door, but yet said, I don't want to get my payments. So are you following me so far? Yep, I got you. Okay. So then, but your wife, wants to collect spousal benefits from you. The only way that she can do that um, is if you file, and either you suspend or collect. Okay. So you file and suspend, yours is still going to grow 8% per year, like I was just referring to, but now she's collecting half of your full retirement benefit, because right now full retirement age for those that are retiring is 66. So you just turned 66 today. So you qualify, you get your full retirement benefit if you would get it paid, but she can draw half of that number discounted for any age less than age 66. It's about, an, it's about that 8% decrease per year. Sure. So that's a huge benefit because you can still let yours grow, but she's still getting a benefit off of you, and guess what? Hers is still growing too, <laughs> right? So the government said, wait a minute, and they just put that in a few years ago. Okay. And so they, they, a lot of folks have taken advantage of it, and apparently the government's felt, you know, the, obviously the program's, you know, everyone's aware Social Security's under stress for, you know, financial liquidity going forward. So they just decided that they were going to stop that benefit. So going forward, after April 30th, you would have to file and collect your benefit for your wife to be able to collect the spousal. Okay. You, won't, you will no longer be able to suspend it. They're, so they're not taking away the spousal benefit. They're not taking away uh, the fact that you can file and suspend, but you can't file and suspend and have your spouse collect a benefit if you're not collecting yours. I got you. So that's the first change. Okay. The second change is if you do file and suspend, 
that the law, currently the regulations, I should say, uh, will allow you to, let's say you were 66, you file and suspend, and you're thinking you want to wait till 70, but you decide at 68, you know what, I would really, I, I really need that money. Today, you can go back to Social Security and say, you know what, I suspended for the last two years. I'd like you to write me a check for, for what the amount should have been. Hmm. And then you don't get the higher amount going forward. You, you will then get whatever you would have qualified for at 66, but they would give you a lump sum payment for that, the amount that you had suspended. And they're not going to let you do that anymore. So if you found suspend and you say two years later, oh, gosh, you know, I really need the money, they'll say, well, you can start your benefit. It'll right. be higher, but you, won't, you can't go back and get the lump sum. Okay. Those are definitely impactful changes that people are going to be seeing. If you were looking at it big picture, as best you can, how would you analyze this? Do you see this overall as being a positive for Social Security if you're looking across the board? Do you think it, it doesn't ha- it's not going to have that much of an impact as we go down the road? I mean, how do you view it you know, from your expert perspective? You know, it's an interesting question, Tim, because I'm not privy to all the numbers, and I don't know how many people were taking advantage of it. Okay. I don't know that the lump sum, I don't see the lump sum uh, part that they're taking away is necessarily going to really hurt or help Social Security. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to pay out the money, and so they technically, if you were looking at it like a bank, I mean, if they still had that money in the bank that they didn't pay you, they would have been able to make interest on it. So, you know, the government, you know, they're in debt, so, you know, maybe <laughs> they didn't have to pay as much interest on the debt, because, you know, for the amount of money they didn't pay you. Sure. So I don't see the lump sum being that big a deal, but the found suspend with the spousal benefit while your benefits are getting higher, I can see where that um, couple's taking advantage of that. And, and my understanding was that it was a pretty favorable uh, option. I think there were a number of books written on how to take advantage of that situation. And I think it probably had some uh, negative impact. And, and that's the thing about, you know, when you start talking about 300 million people and I don't know how many, you know, 19,000 uh, something like 19,000 baby boomers are retiring every day. So right. there's, you know, if you if you just figure 19,000, I don't know what percentage of them are married and what percentage, but you know that's a you start adding all those numbers up, it's probably a pretty material number to the Social Security system. So I'm guessing the found suspend was, uh, you know, will have a long-term positive impact on Social Security uh, financial health. Another question that comes up with this is in situations where there was a divorce, how does that all work? I I think a lot of people had questions of that even before, but describe how that works as far as if you're divorced and spousal benefits and that sort of thing. These changes don't affect divorce spouse benefits at all. So so they don't change anything. And you're right, that's a little confusing too. But if you were married for 10 years or more and you're divorced from your wife or husband, and you have not remarried, then you you are uh, eligible for benefits off of your ex-spouse. Okay. You know, without getting into the, like you say, you know, it can, it can get uh, deeper and more complicated <laughs> from there, but that's kind of the high-level explanation of that. Okay. In looking at it just broad scope, you know, you hear, you see things talking about how it's stressed and everyone's worried about what's going to be there in the future. What do you tell people as far as their concerns? Maybe it's someone who's in their 40s and they're looking already down the road and thinking about that. Uh, what's kind of your thought process on where we're at with Social Security? That's another good question. Uh, and I do get that occasionally. And it is typically, um, 
you know, those folks that haven't started collecting it, there's not too many folks that are getting it that have a concern about that. But folks do occasionally ask me, you know, or, or they'll make a comment like when we start talking about, you know, retirement income and say, well, you know, do you have any idea what your Social Security will be? Do you have a statement? And say, well, that's probably not going to be there anyway, or <laughs> I'm not going to get what they say. But I have to tell you, I don't, you can play all sorts of negative theories about the United States isn't going to be who they are 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now, and that's all quite possible. Uh, Social Security may not be there. Medicare may not be there in the way that we uh, are used to it today. But, Tim, I think there's got to be some kind of retirement benefit from the government to the people. I mean, if you if you took away Social Security, there would be quite a bit of poverty in the United States. I mean, People are not prepared sufficiently with personal savings to support their retirement lifestyle. So no. you're going to have quite a change in the lifestyle of most Americans if that would go under. So, um, you know, you have a government that, that has had a hard time cutting back on many of its social programs, $19 trillion worth of debt to show for it. I can't believe that Social Security, I mean, I would think that it would be, you know, the infamous, uh, the, the Social Security and Medicare will turn the lights out in the building, so to speak. <laughs> you know, they'll be the last ones out, I think, of any government program. They'll, they'll be cutting every other thing before that. I, ju I just don't see that it's going to be a significant threat to, to folks at this point. But, you know, you, you never know what the future holds, but I just... I just got to believe the government's going to continue to provide it. Now, I do think what you're going to continue to see, Tim, is that, um, and they haven't done much with this lately, but they're probably going to continue to push that full retirement age out. Right. Uh, right now, 67 is the max. They've they've retained the 62 early access and 70 the latest access, and then you have to start. Uh, you know, taking money out of your 401ks and IRAs at 70 and a half. Uh, all those, they haven't changed any of those um, dates, if you will, or ages, but they have moved from 65, then they have a progressive 66, and 67 is the max right now. Okay. I could see them continuing to move that out and maybe even making the age 70 uh, a little higher so that folks um, can wait if they want to. But the other thing that they've done... And I think there's talk of this. I'm not sure that I've heard that it's actually in place yet, but they have means-tested Medicare Part B. And I know we're, you know that's not the subject of this talk, and that's a whole deep subject on its own, but, but Medicare, they've started to say, okay, if you've made a certain amount of money this year, then we're going to means-test or surcharge you for your Medicare Part B for the following year. Okay. And that can go from about, right now the top, number or the the base number is $121.80 and it can get up to a figure of almost $390 a person per wow. month. So I could see that on social security they might say um some of these you know if you if you're making 200 plus thousand dollars in retirement you know they may curtail uh your social security from that perspective but I don't think the average american is going to be ultimately threatened by that. I just I just think you open it. The government's going to open itself up to more issues if you take away that money from them. They're going to 
they're going to have trouble eating. They're going to have health issues. They're going to end up in hospitals. I mean, you you know, it's it's kind of a death spiral in reverse. There, I think you're going to you know set off more issues than you bargained for if sure. you if you took that away. So that's kind of that's all my personal belief. That's not that's uh, built on you know what I've read, what I feel, you right. know, my sense. You ask my definitely my opinion as opposed to factual data. Sure. No, and we do appreciate it. And we understand, you know, as you said, things can change. I mean, even look at the changes they're putting into place right now. I agree with you in general that it's not something that's just going to all of a sudden be gone and people are going to be struggling as much as you, you say, you know, could create that kind of a domino effect. So I do appreciate you giving us your thoughts on that, as well as giving us the insight into the changes that uh, we are going to see here uh, very shortly. And actually, by the time people listen to this, it probably will be into effect. So hopefully we'll be helping them out in that area as well. Uh, Rick, again, very happy to have you on and sharing your insight into this. Uh, hopefully we did clear up a few things for people. And uh, as always, we thank you for coming on the show. Well, you're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. That is all the time we have for this episode of Management Decisions and our conversation with Rick Martin, Senior Financial Planner with Zarka Financial in Ohio. If you have any suggestions for show topics, go ahead and send an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com or you can reach out to us at the LJN on Twitter. And also be sure to check out the wide range of subjects we have covered. Just search LJN Radio on iTunes. Thank you once again for listening. I'm your host, Tim Yuma. We'll talk to you later.